Hello and welcome to the Simple Faith Podcast. My name is Dave Betts and together with my wife Sharia, we are exploring all the things that make our faith what it is. In other words, we are looking for authentic Christianity for normal people like you and me. We are trying to strip away all of those unnecessarily churchy or intellectual words. And if we do have to go there, we have to use some of those complicated words. We want to make sure that we're explaining them and not making any assumptions that uh, you know them or that I know them. We just want to have a down-to-earth, regular conversation about the things of our faith. So with that in mind, we've had some pretty difficult conversations in the past. We've talked about calling. We've talked about what the Bible says about suffering. We've talked about what the Bible says about LGBT in the church. And uh, last week, we talked about creation. And uh, hopefully you found that really helpful. Today, I'm really excited that we're going to talk about the flood. And I'm joined again by Dr. Sam Melia as we talk about the realities of the flood story. Uh, you might be familiar with it. It's in Genesis 6 to 9. We're going to talk about that in a bit more detail. But firstly, Sam, welcome back to the Simple Faith Podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me again. It's, it's great to have you here. Uh, tell me something about you that I don't know. That you don't know? <laughs> yeah. No, I've, I've bared all with you, Dave. You know everything there is to know about me. Oh, there'll be, there's bound to be a good one. My first television appearance. My first television what? appearance. You were on yeah, television? I was. I was three years old and I was on the news because they were cutting down a local very old oak tree in our, uh, in, in our village. Whoa. And uh, I, I was watching and they interviewed me and said, are you upset? And I said, yes, because I won't be able to climb it. What I'd not told them is that I'd never climbed that tree nor any tree in my life. But um, uh, <laughs> I, was, I was on the news for that reason. So there you go. You didn't know that very, about me. That's very good. Uh, have yeah. I ever told you that I was in a movie? I don't know if you, you know haven't that. told me you're in a movie. No, I was, I was in a movie at five days old. Oh, I'm wow. at the end of this movie by someone called... Polyakov, I think he's supposed to be a famous oh, right. director. It was a BBC huh. movie. I watched that movie like two years ago with uh, Shireya and it's the most boring movie I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. It's about this old woman who just goes mad. And at the very end, I appear in it with lots of tubes Amazing. on me. I, I mean, I was very premature and I had lots of tubes on me. And just as the camera zooms in, I go like this. I just judder all of a sudden. It's like, I know I was made for TV. It's so like, you know, it sounds like a fascinating film. I would, I don't sound boring at all. It sounds like I'd watch it all the way through and I'd be waiting with bated breath for you to appear. No, it was, ter- it was terrible. <laughs> I've tried to watch it a few times. I wish I could tell you that it was good. Um, yeah, More I never controversial really tried any opinions. Mm. Uh, That was it. That was my movie career yeah, done. Ju- just uh, the start. Well, you, you, life's not over yet. You never know. Yeah. You could play <laughs> baby again. Maybe. Yeah, ba- I'll mm. play, I'll reprise my role as baby. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, today right we there. are talking about the flood. I really enjoyed our conversation last week, mm. which actually, if I'm completely honest, was about 20 minutes ago. About I have not changed my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed talking about it. It's a, it's a big topic and I hope, I hope that you found it helpful too, listening at home. We mm. uh, want to remind you that what we're not trying to do is force a view upon you. We want to talk about mm. some of the pros and some of the cons of each views and recognize, as we did last week, that we want to approach these uh, topics with humility, knowing that we just don't know the answers. Even the smartest of smart scientists, and Sam's got a PhD, just, we just don't <laughs> know all the answers. And so uh, with that in mind, Sam, let's talk a little bit about the flood. Uh, what, what is this flood story in Genesis 6? Mm. Yeah, starting off in Genesis 6, we're told in the Bible that when the sin of mankind became so great that God ended up regretting that he'd even made people. And so he said, I'm going to flood the world and destroy and kill people. But there is one righteous family left. And I'd like them 
via the 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 patriarch of that family noah to uh build an ark and to uh, be delivered through this flood that god was bringing to the world mm. and that's a, a pretty big claim for us people to look at the world and say well you know can can we see can we see that there so i guess that's why we're here today to talk about it yeah so i guess if you zoom all the way back the biggest question is did the flood happen and mm. you know, we're making an assumption here that Yes, it did. And here's why. We, we talked about this last week. We're making some presuppositions, some assumptions. First one is that God exists. Second one is that God created the universe out of nothing. The third one is that the flood actually happened. Why? Because of the fourth assumption that we can trust the Bible. So because mm. we uh, believe that we can trust the Bible, we believe that there was some sort of flood. So what, what we're not going to do today is debate whether or not a flood happened right? What we're going to do is talk about whether that flood was a local flood or mm. a global flood. Let's maybe talk about that a bit more. What do we mean by global or local? It's pretty obvious, but you know, let's yeah. maybe well, discuss we can, it a bit. We can break it down. So one of the interpretations of the flood story is that God told Noah that he would flood the world and was referring to the known world at that time. So at that point, they were probably all living in Mesopotamia. Uh, Mesopotamia? Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia, uh, it's modern, modern day Iraq or thereabouts, kind of the, the central Middle East. Go on. I was going to say, if you, um, if you look at the area between two rivers in, in Iraq, if you were to go on Google Maps and look at two rivers, mm. it's kind of this area that is between those rivers and that kind of area, mm. the Fertile yeah. Crescent is called. But that's, yeah, that's the yeah, area exactly. we're talking about, right? And, and humanity has been um, living there for quite some time uh, in, in all uh, kind of opinions on the origins of humanity and the creation of the world. People have been living there both in the biblical account and in the scientific account from, you know, uh, for a very long time. Um, and so the interpretation is that when there was a small number of people in the world, uh, that perhaps God only needed to flood Mesopotamia. Mm. And then of the larger, the global flood interpretation is that God needed to flood the whole world and to cleanse it completely and to remove any trace of kind of the evil that had festered there in order to deliver Noah and his family to kind of a, a new and remade earth. Mm. Uh, and so we'll talk about those a little bit. So we've got a local flood, a localized flood in that kind of area in the Middle East uh, mm. or a global flood. I guess that, I guess the best thing for us to do is to delve into the old earth view that we looked at last week and how a flood could maybe be compatible with that. And then the new earth view and, and maybe we'll see uh, any scientific issues. And I should say, mm. which I didn't say from the beginning that Sam, your doctorate, your PhD is in geomorphology. So this is uh, yes. an area of, of specialism for you. So this is quite mm -hmm. an exciting thing to talk yeah. about. So I've, I've studied how the, the surface of the world has changed uh, over time. What's affected that and uh, whether floods or uh, tsunamis, which can be traced back to something called plate tectonics, the, the moving of the kind of the crust of the, the earth, uh, how, how all that's been affected. And so it's certainly been a big question for me about kind of the nature of the biblical flood and definitely as a Christian to be able to uh, kind of try and analyze these things. Great. Yeah, I, it's such a joy to have you on this this episode. Sam. <laughs> like, I, I so appreciate having your vast knowledge in this area because it's certainly an area that I don't have that, that level of understanding. It's a, it's a joy to be here and certainly to talk about it. Well, after the break, Let's talk about the flood and the old earth and the flood and the new earth. Sam, let's talk about 
the old earth view if, if you're listening at home and you didn't get to listen last week the old earth view of creation is is one of two predominant views it's that god caused evolution and humanity came about that way or it's that there were it's this thing called gap theory so that the in between the days in genesis 1 um, there were millions and millions of years now the first theory the evolution theory is problematic for a number of reasons but you can listen to last week's episode to figure out that so let's assume that you believe in gap theory maybe how would how would a flood be compatible with with gap theory mm-hmm. Well, well, actually, I mean, we can we can probably com- combine both theories in how the flood would would any okay. kind of flood would affect them. So, for a, a global flood relating to an old Earth, there's a, a big problem in that it has to be, at least according to the biblical narrative of it, it has to be in the time frame of human uh, human existence, mm. uh, because the aim is to wipe out humanity and for humanity to start again. And in the context of an old earth with a rich history of kind of the formation of the world, the flood must have had an effect on the planet that if we're to interpret what we look at the planet today as being a history of a long time, then the flood on a global scale would have done more than what we can see on the surface. Mm. Uh, so if you're looking at an old earth interpretation probably the more beneficial uh, interpretation would be a, a local one because local floods happen quite frequently but there are there are some issues with that which I'm, I'm sure we'll kind of push on a little bit later after we've finished breaking everything down well you know what let's let's dig into that now uh, I'm, I'm really interested in. to to hear about mm. that so what you're what you've just said again I want to make sure that I'm following you there you, you're saying that that actually a flood would have had to have happened after humanity came around which is really in the in the in recent history according mm. to the old earth view which is of course like that's so obvious but that's something that i've never really connected mm. with of course it would <laughs> uh, yeah. but but that but there's challenges with that so you're saying probably a localized pro- uh, flood would would make sense but for, for from that perspective certainly. yeah but what um, are the challenges there the, well one of them is that every culture around the world in including ones that didn't have contact with each other for a very long time. And certainly these myths existed before they had contact with each other. There is uh, a flood myth of some form, Mm. often with very kind of similar characteristics associated with every one of them. So you find the Native Americans in North America and Incas and Aztecs, and there are Asian myths and there are European myths and Aboriginal myths that all describe a flood that destroyed the world. And more often than not, also describe a man or a family unit who are told to build some kind of a boat or an ark in order to be delivered through it. And so for something to be that widespread and not just to have a flood associated with the myth, but to have very particular details stand out does challenge the idea that one small flood or perhaps many small floods that happened at different times occurred to kind of bring this coincidence about. Okay, so so if if the flood was relatively recent, so we're talking, let's mm-hmm. say, I guess, could it be in this theory, 100,000 years or something like that? Would it? What would you think? What would they like? Sure. Our, our general understanding of humanity is that we've been around for say between five and 10,000 years ago, uh, ago, as we see, as we see ourselves now, you know, the, the, the kind of the, the old earth interpretation of humanity does stretch on and humanity changes the further back you go, if you were to take an evolutionary approach to it. But as we understand humans to be now, maybe about 10,000 ish years ago, um, is when people turned up. So if we're saying, if we're saying, let's, let's say for the sake of argument, nine and a half thousand years ago, uh, there was a global flood on this old earth view. Would it, mm. would that global flood have, or even local, lo, many localized floods, mm. would that mm. have would that have changed the geology? Uh, how would that work? 
one one of the things that we see when there are floods is huge deposits of sediment and they and it forms in a very particular way you have uh, particularly catastrophic floods where water moves in very quickly you'll have boulders at the bottom of a, a sediment bed where sand and rocks and things are deposited and then as as the flood rises you kind of get thinner and thinner sediment so it ends up becoming basically a big mud pile and if the whole world was covered in a catastrophic flood you would have to see these big thick kind of catastrophic sweeps of of sediment of sand and mud and rocks and things like that which if the world as we see it today is thought to have been formed predominantly before this you know 10,000 year arbitrary point in time where is all of that new sediment where has it come from um that that's a problem that that would rise so okay so if i'm understanding rightly well, the the problem with a global flood on an old earth is that it would have to have been very recent mm. um which is what we're saying in the new earth view anyway is that it's mm-hmm. it's very recent but mm. but there's not sediment which is a problem so yes uh, so is that, is, so how does that all fit together or or certainly i mean there's there's we find sediment on the surface but no evidence of something that happened on the broad time scale side of things something that happened so recently that the world is still recovering from a relatively recent recent deluge mm. so that we don't see that kind of effect okay so i mean so that's the old earth cha- some of the mm. challenges with the old earth and some of the i guess the pros as well but yeah. assuming you subscribe to a new earth view of creation Mm. How scientifically does the flood fit in with all of that stuff? Well, well, things change up quite quickly. If you were to look at a, a map of the world and maybe kind of lift away the kind of recent human things like na- na- nation boundaries and things like that, and just look at the geology of the world, you see a big broken mess, lines carved through it and uh, mountains pushed up in interesting places and great fault lines uh, that have gouge the surface of the world open and big basins full of uh, full of sand that, are, that have moved there we see a very rich and changing history something that i've i've kind of dedicated a large portion of my past decade to to trying to understand and so we can look at that and try and see if in that history we can place the flood as part of that formation which i i believe we can do. I think we can see a lot of evidence for for the flood having caused a lot of what may be interpreted to be old actually occurring very quickly and probably in a short space of time. And there is evidence for that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to to discuss or to unpack here. Mm. So, would you mind if I put you on the spot and said which one would you lean towards, mm. old Earth or new Earth? Mm. Well, uh, I've uh, obviously received many a strange look from my colleagues when I've said this, but I subscribe to a, a young Earth interpretation. I believe. Uh, that there's a lot of evidence to lean towards the fact that the uh, the world is young and the scars that we see on it happen catastrophically. Mm, yeah, uh, I would, I would, I think I can go on record and say I think I, I agree with you. This is not us mm. telling you that you should agree with us, but the, uh, just to say that actually you can thoughtfully come to that conclusion without yeah without just giving up on science or giving up on yeah, yeah on on what what the world is teaching us. So. Uh, that's kind of beside the point, I guess. But assuming, I guess, with both views, how could a global flood have recurred? I mean, if we're mm. talking about the amount of water in the earth, right? I can't imagine yeah. how that so much. Sorry, to, but I, I yeah. can't imagine how no, that could no. have happened with so much, so much water in our earth suddenly to flood the whole earth. Like, what's it's such a huge question, and it's actually probably the most important question: is where could all of that water have come from? 
And now we look at the world and see land masses above the sea level. Where did all that water go? And that's a, a really big question to tackle. There was actually a paper I was reading uh, that came out this year, Current Science. And if any of you do want to uh, to look it up and, and kind of go reading for it, uh, it's by the authors uh, Dong et al. from 2021. And the title is Constraining the Volume of Earth's Early Oceans with a Temperature-Dependent Mantle Water Storage Capacity Model. Whoa, we'll, we'll, That's that out of the way. We'll get a link to that. And let me break Sam, it down. We'll get a li- we'll just so you know, we'll have a link to that in the in the show notes so that you can, you can find that. What the, I'll break down what the paper's effect, paper is effectively saying is that the world has to have been covered in water at some point, given the fact that water is now chemically trapped within the mantle. Mm. Uh, so that's effectively the majority of what the, what the planet is made up of. If you imagine the Earth as a sphere, uh, or with, you could use an apple as an analogy, the crust is the skin on the outside, the mantle is the white flesh of the apple, and then you have the inside, the core of the Earth, is where the pips and seeds and the bit that you don't usually eat. Um, uh, happens. And so there's a lot of water chemically trapped in the mantle, the majority of, of the planet. And uh, it's held there uh, in, in minerals such as uh, uh, olivine and things like that, which you can break down and call them Did you say hydroxyl. Go on, olivine? Sorry. Olivine, exactly. Yes, exactly. Like, like, like the, uh, the delicious Bartok snack. And I think it's called that because it's it's olive coloured. We're not very inventive when it comes to uh, <laughs> when it comes to naming things, but we love to name things after food. Okay. <laughs> but for a more boring name, hydroxyl groups are these names of minerals which trap water not as if not traps water in the same way that a sponge does, where it holds liquid water, but that chemically the atoms which create water, so hydrogen and oxygen, are held in these minerals and are released under certain occasions and are absorbed under certain other occasions. Okay. Um, wow. Um, so big, big, big stuff. So yeah, you were, you were, we were asking about where water could have come and gone. Yeah. And the consensus amongst the scientific community, secular and non-secular, is that the world has to have been covered in water at some point or, or another, given just the chemistry of, of the planet mm. uh, and where it's all gone and why we have so much water still left over now. Because we look at the rest of the planets in the solar system, including one's such as Venus, which isn't too much of a different distance from the sun that the water could have evaporated away, but just doesn't have that much water on it in comparison, or certainly not liquid water anyway. We're in a the, the nice spot in the solar system where Earth can have all this liquid water that we can drink and stay alive. And then the second question is, if all of that water that was trapped under, you know, in, in, in the mantle, uh, so to speak, in, inside the Earth, how did it come yeah. out? And uh, how, how did it go back in yeah. again? Do you, want, do you want me to keep breaking yeah, that down? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, let me re- let right. me ask that question for you. Yes. Okay, so you're saying that there is water covering the earth. Scientists believe that. But obviously, at some point before there was a flood, according to the Bible, there was Adam and Eve and Cain and mm. Abel and, and so on. Yeah. Uh, in fact, there was an entire genealogy of people, which I think we'll come on to in a bit, because these people lived for a long time. <laughs> so I think we should talk about that if we have yeah. time. But Okay, so after the, the genealogy, the family tree in yeah. um, Genesis yeah. 5, there's a flood, which means the water comes. That could be the flood that we're talking about, where the world was covered mm. in water. Where did it come from? So there's a really key verse in Genesis seven eleven, and it refers to the springs of the deep. And now you may have done some you know nice mountain walking and found a spring of water coming out of the ground. This is referring to something that produces enough water that a catastrophic amount of water appears. Yeah. So uh, if I were to just double back to the fact that there's poten- that there was potentially water trapped mineralogically in minerals 
in the planet. The reason why it's there is because of the amount of heat that was holding it there. And I, I won't I won't delve into kind of too much of the of the overly complicated stuff. But basically, the hotter these rocks were, the more water they could hold. Oh, uh, sorry, I've, I've said that backwards, and I'm going to double back and say that properly. The hotter the rock is, the less water it can hold. So it would be the equivalent of boiling a kettle and the water starting to steam and bubble and try and escape. And so effectively, if the earth became hotter, that water would come out of the minerals and become liquid water and probably due to the heat, come out as steam and break up the crust that's above it and and flood out, fly into the sky immediately cool down because it's now not not near the the, the kind of hot in, inside of the earth and start raining down and it starts uh, causing all sorts of trouble when it does that if uh, if you've ever walked on a floorboard and it's broken and you've fallen through imagine that on the scale of a planet especially if you fall into some very hot water so i'm of the opinion and i'll break down what plate tectonics means that plate tectonics is very key to this um so effectively if you're to look at the surface of the planet and see these scars running across it you can generally trace these scars into effectively patches of crust, patches of this apple's skin around the apple that um, that have kind of, they, they move together in one go and the boundaries between them can kind of rub and brush against each other or pull apart or push under one another. And that's very key to understanding the world and geology. And also, I, I believe it has uh, some really important implications for therefore how the flood affected it or how it affected the flood. Okay, yeah, I mean, there's a lot there, isn't there? Mm, I particularly yeah. like the fact that you said walking on a floorboard. Um, <laughs> I, I like to, yeah. Christopher walking on a floorboard. Um, walking but, on a floorboard. <laughs> but that's really, really helpful. <laughs> I hope you're following at home. I'm, I'll be honest. I was struggling to keep mm. up with some of that, which is, I guess, part of the course when you're talking to a, a PhD geologist. I can break things. I can break things down into kind of the bare bones as, as, as much as, as much as I may. Yeah. Maybe, maybe can you summarize it in as small a way as possible? Yeah. One theory is that water is trapped in the form of minerals rather than in the form of liquid water uh, inside the planet. And it's trapped there for as long as the temperature is the right temperature. If the temperature changes, the water can come out of those minerals and break its way to the surface and cause all sorts of difficulties for the people who are standing okay. there. <laughs> so that's, that's, one, that's one theory. There are lots of other theories as well. Mm-hmm. Some of them are... Yeah harder to to reconcile with science and stuff. So we're not going to dwell, mm. dwell probably too much on those. I think maybe what is good to say is that scientifically it is very possible that there was more earth, uh, more earth, more water, sorry, before, yeah. before when Adam and Eve were around and then it came out and then it mm. has gone back in. And that's probably something that God brought about whether in this kind of, in the course of natural science or whether he divinely mm. pulls out that stuff, right? So that's, that's what we're saying. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it's a good way to bring. Are it there down. any geological issues with this? So, if the, would this have any implications on how old we would see the Earth as being and stuff? I know we kind of talked about this a little bit, but mm. yeah, ju- just a touch. I think it would that the amount of water that we're considering would have a catastrophic change on how the surface of the planet would look. And we said that if we're looking at the planet more or less the way it is now, in an old Earth perspective, we would see all that catastrophe that happened recently and say well how did the old earth form and change if the flood occurred and we don't and we don't necessarily see that if we're to look at kind of the geological implications of that happening and whether there's any difficulties there the general opinion is that water likely was present before people 
you know, on, on the on the surface of the planet, and that and that it went away. Um, mainly because you'd have to then explain what happens to all the people if the water is there. I think that the uh, um, the, the the presence of what they're calling a water world, um, similar to the yeah. Kevin Costner. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, when the when the water world existed and and affected the world, must have been before people and probably a very long time yeah. ago. So the the two kind of things that we'll come up against is when the water was present in liquid form on the surface and how it would have affected the surface and kind of, you know, what what that would look yeah. like. Well, the really interesting thing about that theory is, you know, and I think of Genesis 1, you know, Genesis 1 verse 2, it says, you know, now the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered mm. the surface of the watery depths and the Spirit of God was hovering mm. over the surface of the waters. Now, when I hear you describe that theory, it makes me think of that, mm. that bit. So uh, I guess my question is, assuming that this is what actually happened, which of course is still an assumption, mm. uh, could it, could the water have been kind of up and down and up and down? Like, could it, could it go back and forth? Well, scientifically, there's a huge precedent for the fact that the sea level has changed mm. over time. So one of the things I worked on was how uh, looking at how sea level in Indonesia, for example, can tell us where the land masses have been and how they've, how they've uh, developed over time. Uh, so there's no question that the sea level does rise and fall. And Genesis tells us that this is what God mm. did, that the, sea, the planet was covered in water and that he then separated that so that the land stood proud of the water. And so that then there was land mass and there was water on the surface. And so there's no reason to believe that that doesn't change again over time because we see it happening now again with ice caps melting and water that's hidden in uh, or locked away in, for example, the ice caps at the moment, melting and changing the sea levels now. Mm. Um, so it, there's certainly precedent for it happening in the history of the planet, both kind of in a theological and sciologic, uh, scientific yeah. or, uh, perspective. So, so I guess, you know, where we've landed so far is that the flood could have been global or local. We're assuming mm. that there was a flood. It could have been global or local. Actually, what we're proposing is that, in our opinion, it, it tends to... Uh, evidence tends to point to a global flood, mm. but if you had an old Earth, probably it would need to have, needed to have been local. Although there's problems with that, um, mm. of course, there's also challenges with a new Earth flood. Um, you know, with the forty days and forty nights mm. and and all that stuff. Figuring out some of that stuff. But with that in mind, why don't we take a quick break here? I want to ask you some other questions. For example, I want to know about dinosaurs mm. and genealogies and stuff like that. So <laughs> let's <laughs> have a, a quick break and then we'll talk about that before we finish the episode. Okay, welcome back to the Simple Faith Podcast. We've talked about the flood so far. Um, it might be a bit of a challenging listen uh, if it's challenging some of your assumptions, challenging some of your presuppositions, and that's okay. It's okay to be challenged. It's okay to keep an open mind on some of this. Again, just to reiterate, what we are not doing is telling you what to believe. We're going to give you our opinions, of course, but we, what we want to present to you is that actually a global flood, as presented in Genesis 6-9, to could actually have happened, whether it was an old earth or a new earth is kind of beside the point. There are implications of both, but the point is that a flood could have happened and that science backs this up. Now, 
that's great. But there is a ton of extra questions that come in here, Sam, and the questions that I'm very interested to ask you. I, I did some papers on this kind of stuff when I was at Bible school. And mm. uh, one of the ones I did a paper on that I was really fascinated on was dinosaurs. And I would love to know what you think. Mm. And, you know, so uh, supposedly dinosaurs existed between 65 and 200 million years old. Again, according to Google, I'm not exactly an expert on this. Uh, <laughs> but let's say, hypothetically, we believe in a new earth which means that the the earth is, you know, what, maybe six to 10,000 years old or something like that. And mm. we believe in a new earth. Where do dinosaurs fit into this? And what about the flood? Mm. Mm. Well, uh, first off, don't switch off when I say this. Uh, dinosaurs still exist today and still wander around. If you've ever been to Florida, uh, there are oh, some I in the Oh, I you were talking about the old people's homes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> Cro- crocodiles and alligators I'll stick with. Some really kind of obvious standouts for the fact that what we understand to be dinosaurs have existed and do still stick around. Uh, similar uh, things like, I don't know if you've ever seen the comparison between the footprint of uh, an ostrich and that of the footprints that we see found in kind of the fossil record and of how similar they are um, and how species similar to dinosaurs of, uh, that we know of from Jurassic Park and kind of popular media and then the scientific papers, how how they still hang around. And so... Um, yes, there's, there's countless evidence that they have existed and certainly that they existed far more numerously than, uh, uh, than they do today. And I think the question is, as with where did all the water go, uh, which I think we touched on a little bit earlier in that, you know, it can be trapped inside the earth. I'm not about to say dinosaurs are now trapped inside the earth and we've got a hollow earth situation. That would, uh, that would be a, a, a different podcast altogether. But that um, I'm of the opinion uh, that... The flood, give uh, the, you know, the title of the episode, uh, had a huge effect on the habitability of the world. And so, if you imagine, it, uh, well, you you said this at the beginning of the previous podcast. I enjoy gardening, and if you've got a plant such as a chili plant living in a greenhouse uh, and it's growing chilies and it's it's going really well, if you put it outside in the cold, it dies and uh, and it doesn't produce any more fruit and uh, and it and it can't survive and i think it was a similar situation with the dinosaurs that uh, if a global flood occurred and dinosaurs were even kept to some extent alive by bringing kind of the species along with many of the others on, okay, on the on let's the pause arc, there quickly i can i can yeah. already see that you you're jumping into so you're saying you're saying a big old brontosaurus or whatever they're called with the huge long mm. neck could fit into a, a boat <laughs> so how would that work well, we've we've all seen the cartoons of giraffes on on the ark, and nobody questioned <laughs> that. <laughs> but no, I, to to take it more seriously, uh, dinosaurs came in handy little packages when they're very young, in the form of dinosaur eggs, <laughs> um, and so um, uh, and and just in general, animals. Uh, so, you know, you could keep elephants on board by having a number of mm. very young elephants there. You know, I think uh, there's certainly precedent for the fact that um, these animals could could have been transported there and similarly got what with the huge variety of animals that we see today there would certainly have been less of the the kinds in inverted commas the that we see today you wouldn't have had to bring a chihuahua and a german shepherd on board and similarly with the variety of dinosaurs that we see in uh, in the record there's probably uh, a number of small uh, not not small a, a smaller number of kind of kinds of dinosaurs that yeah. that existed and so it's not outside of the yeah, okay so uh, I think that's a really good point. If I'm hearing you right, yeah, actually could have been, could have been eggs, could have been, uh, yeah, lots of babies. I mean, we see, we're also used to seeing the classic Noah's Ark pictures of like 
grown <laughs> animals, but who said they had to be grown animals? Mm. And again, in the last episode, we talked yeah. a little bit about you know natural selection and macroevolution and microevolution. Mm. And, and you're right. Yeah, it could have just been a single species that then changed and mm-hmm. evolved uh, nat- by yeah. means of natural selection over time. That's that's a great insight there. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's a theory, isn't it? It's, it's uh, again, we're mm-hmm. not saying this is how it happened. We're saying this is how it might have happened. Um, so, so dinosaurs, yeah. what was, what, I guess my understanding is that dinosaurs maybe could have lived pre-arc and then, uh, they were on the arc and mm. then maybe came off. So yeah, we can go back to the greenhouse analogy that I was using earlier, that we had a very kind of fitting environment for all of these dinosaurs to grow and, and live in, in, in a, a pre-flood world, let's call it, uh, the period of time when for example, oxygen rates might have been higher. There's precedent to say that um, oxygen that we can see when looking through the geological record was much higher in the earlier history of when these animals walked around on on Earth. The flood could very much have affected Mm. that. Certainly as well, it would have affected the temperature of the Earth. When one volcano goes off, such as, and I won't try and pronounce the name of it, but the one that occurred in Iceland, which grounded a lot of flights a number of years ago, it changes Mm. the weather put ash into the atmosphere and it's it starts to cool the planet down and certainly if a catastrophe as big as a global flood that we're talking about occurs then you start cooling the planet down kicking off you know a a mini ice age certainly the early humans coexisted with what we would see to be an ice age ending um, and that's not disputed and so dinosaurs may well have survived for a period of time but the earth just stopped being Mm. habitable for them enough and other animals multiplied and, and grew. Maybe to I could jump in place. here if that's okay. That, Cause that, there's some, there's some things yes. that I've found really Please. fascinating that I've read before. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. So firstly, yeah. you're talking about the atmosphere changing and maybe affecting the dinosaurs. I've read before mm. that some people would assert that in a pre flood world, uh, that dinosaurs would have lived a lot more comfortably, but actually with the, the level of oxygen in a post-flood world, they would have struggled to survive. But where mm. this is really, really interesting is in Genesis 5. So if you've ever read Genesis 5, it's, mm. it's, it's that genealogy, that family tree. But have you ever seen how old people are? They're like 900 years mm. old at times. And you think, hang on, humans can't be 900 years old. And one of the, one of the suggestions about how this was able to happen was because of the atmosphere again. Uh, and again, I'm not saying that that's what happened. Mm. I'm saying this is a possibility is that in a post-flood world, if you, you, you look at the Bible, you notice that the ages decreased dramatically. And in the same, you know, so mm. Sam is saying, well, actually there was probably a huge atmospheric change. Well, could it be, could it be that the ages decreased mm. because of that atmospheric change, that that's what brings the ages down from 700, 800 years in, in, in lifespan to, mm. uh, to 100, 120, to 80, to 60 you know, years yeah. of lifespan. That, mm. Sam, is that, is that a ridiculous proposition or is that something that is... I, I certainly think there's, uh, uh, that it fits in with our idea of kind of a, a young earth and it fits in well with the explanation of how the, the flood could have changed things. And the Bible tells us that God anticipated that human lifespan would, would start shrinking after the flood. Um, he said, you, your, your years will be no more than 120 years. Um, and it, he, he sees that going on uh, and, and proclaimed it. There's also other factors that could have affected the age of people. If we're taking Adam and Eve to be the first people with a gene pool that is flawless and what we understand to be abnormalities in 
when we reproduce and and uh, various uh, ailments and and mutations and things that that occur as 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 all organisms reproduce those wouldn't have existed in the early and effectively perfect design that of mankind that God had brought about they would have lived for you know as as long as kind of God had designed them to prior to sin bringing death in into the world and so if you combine that with um if you combine kind of like this perfect organism for, at risk of quoting that alien movie uh with with a perfect environment you know one that could could keep the garden of eden as as the lush garden that it's, it's described to be then it would make sense that when you start to break that down you change the habitat you start having more and more people intermingling with each other and at that time certainly with less people in the world it's more likely to be interfamily relationships and certainly in uh kind of the the broad span of as humanity spreads out and and you know starts populating the rest of the world you're going to start to get these genetic mutations building on one another and limiting what the human body can do and how potentially mm. how long it could live for so these are really interesting discussions um i think you know I, I, again just as last week we could talk about this for a long long time um <laughs> yeah you know, again just a quick summary of what we've talked about Yep, global and local floods. There's a possibility that it could have been both. We're leaning towards a global flood. And there are logical explanations, I'm not, plausible explanations as to what could have happened with things like dinosaurs mm. and the ages in those family trees in Genesis 5. There's, there's a lot of plausible explanations as to how all this could have happened, how the flood even could have happened from a scientific point of view. Mm. I guess the last question I want to ask as we kind of bring this to a close is, does this matter? Is this a big deal? <laughs> yeah, I and this this could turn into a testimony and I won't speak for another hour on it. But um, I when I went to university and I had the question of, did God make the world in six days? My answer was, I don't know. And it doesn't matter. And then gradually, as I you know uh, continued as a geologist and spent more time in university, it became the crux of my every thought. And I thought, if God made things in such a way, surely he would tell us clearly about them. And it, it really challenged my faith until God brought me through it to a place where I can say it's all right to have faith and to not know everything to the point where I was able to say, I don't know. And actually, for my faith, it doesn't matter in the long scheme of things, given that the gospel is the core of what we're all united in. And so I don't know, and it doesn't matter is a a viable approach to it. And it is a simple faith approach to be able to say, we don't need to believe one way or the other uh, about the way God created the world, as long as we believe that God created it. And then Jesus, who was the author, as, as we read in Colossians, Jesus was part of the creation. He was there and he was core to it. And so the gospel ultimately ties us into that and says, Jesus is the purpose of all of these things anyway. And so, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's certainly been a, a, a succinct summary of the yeah. walk that God's taken I think that's, me on. That's so good. I think it's great to question these. I think we can be encouraged as Christians to know that we can mm. really wrestle with this stuff and come to uh, conclusions that are actually in alignment with what the Bible teaches. Uh, I would, I would say the only mm. caveat is that there are some serious issues with evolution, in my opinion, that 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 do affect the gospel the good news of jesus and so that's something we have to really mm. wrestle with again i'd encourage you to take a listen to the last week's episode if you want to hear more about that uh that's not to say it's completely implausible but there are some serious challenges there that that for me actually mm. was a game changer in in where i stood I and mean, we talked about where sam and i stand on 
new earth versus young earth. And, and for me, it was the gospel. That was the, the, the main deciding factor. Mm. Uh, I, I think what is important is our faith. Like you said, Sam, it's, it's important that we trust mm. that even if we don't know the answers that God is in control, he's, he is sovereign. I mean, he's completely, he has power over all things. He's got this. And even though we don't understand right now, doesn't mean that we won't understand forever. Mm. There, there may come a day where we can come before the throne of God and say, Hey, Father God, mm. what was that about? What happened here? I'd love to know. Mm. I think God would be excited yeah. to show to show us. I, I don't want to assume God yeah. what God would do, but I think He would love to say, "Hey, this is what happened," and we'd be mm. like, "Oh, that makes so much yeah. sense." Yeah. Well, we can. I mean, to add to that, we can see in the Book of Job exactly what happens when a group of people just having a really intense theological discussion for 38 chapters of this book, come together and say, God, explain yourself. And God comes down out of the sky. And at this point, these uh, Job and his friends have been discussing the nature of righteousness and how God deals with people who are unrighteous. But God comes down out of the sky and says, you can't fully understand me yet. Instead, look at my creation. See that you can't fully understand that and have faith in me mm-hmm. when you can't understand. And so that ultimately. And I'd recommend anybody, if you can, to sit and read through Job in one sitting. It's a bit of a bite to do. But if you do that, you can really see the scope of how long these arguments went on for and became very circular until God intervened and said, you just have to trust me because look out the window. And so for anybody who is struggling with this, you can trust God without yet coming yeah. to a solid conclusion. Great. Sam, again, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's been an absolute privilege to have you on the show. Mm. But as we finish up here, I just want to say, whatever side of this debate you land on, the thing to keep in mind is the good news of Jesus, that, that Jesus died for you, rose again, victorious over sin, ascended to the right hand of the Father so that we could be in eternal relationship with God. That's good news. That's the news mm. that we cling on. The rest here, we're speculating. We will find out one day when we get to be in glory with God again. Uh, until that time, we can speculate and we can uh, wrestle with the science and we can wrestle with the word of God, knowing that actually the answers are there. We may not be able to find them just yet, but that's okay. Um, we, we hope that you found this uh, a really helpful exercise. My, my dream, again, just to reiterate, is that the outcome would be that you would look at someone with a different view to yours and say, yeah, okay, I, I can see how you would believe that. I might not agree, but it's, I'm not going to just kind of flippantly think that it's ridiculous to believe either view. I think there is reasoned, intent, well-intentioned uh, thought that goes into all of these views, all the views that we've mentioned for sure. Uh, and so I hope you found that helpful. I encourage you to look into this a bit deeper. Mm. And that's it. So uh, we'll see you next week for another episode of the Simple Faith Podcast. Bye. Bye.